0: If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, Ezekiel chapter 37. And while you're turning there, I want to make it very clear tonight that you're not here by accident. Now I know some of you come because it's routine and you were taught every time the doors are open, you better be in the house of God and that's good teaching but what shows greater impact is that you had the choice to stay home or get dressed and come to the house of God and I believe that the Lord sent us here tonight for this moment and I feel the Lord has given me direction that I believe that this word tonight if it's coupled with your faith can literally change the course of what God wants to do in apostolic life my question is, how hungry are you for more of God? Oh, let's just give them a wave offering right now. If we're hungry for more of God tonight, ha, let the tears flow. Let the confirming word of the Holy Ghost be in this house tonight. Pastor said it already. If you've not been baptized in Jesus name, you're in a good place to get that done before you go home. And if you have not yet received a gift of the Holy Ghost, it can be yours tonight. And the best part is all it costs you is just a few moments to say, God, fill me. If you have a hungry heart and you make room for him to live in that heart, he'll take up that space and he'll change your entire life. Pastor, thank you for letting us be here. God bless you and your beautiful wife. What an honor for us to be here tonight. The hand of the Lord Verse one was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very Dry. Verse three, and he said unto me, "Son of man, can these bones live?" I want you to watch what the the prophets said back to him. He answered and said, "O oh Lord God." Thou knowest. What a question to ask Ezekiel. Can these bones live? His answer was, I ain't got a clue, but you do. And I want to preach tonight the Lord knows. That's my subject to someone tonight. The Lord knows. Look at your neighbor and say, He knows. The Lord, he knows. Amen. So happy to have my beautiful family, my wife, spare London, and Oxley. Lord, let your word come alive tonight. Help it stay within the depths of our hearts, but let it connect with our minds. Let us believe everything that this book says about us. Help us to walk in divine favor and blessing. I come against every spirit of the adversary that will try to block what you want to do in this house tonight. You know, Lord, that the dry bones have potential. You know the dry bones have a destiny. And I pray tonight that you will help us to hear the answer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Before you see the around, of two or three people, shake their hands and tell them the Lord knows. The Lord knows. Nestled in the pages of Ezekiel thirty-seven, we see that the Lord displays for e- Ezekiel himself a, a vision of a large valley. In fact, a field where it seems that a vicious battle had been fought. This, this chapter, I've been I've been camping out in this for quite a while now, against, since July. I um, preached a camp meeting in the Texaco district. and The Lord led me to this verse. I've, I've studied this before. It's one of my favorite stories, but he brought my attention back to it this year. And um, if you read it any time, you'll understand that this chapter details a vision revealed to Ezekiel, and it is conveying a realistic depiction Everybody say bones. 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 Many bones. Hundreds of thousands of bones. If you're like me, you'd probably be terrified. My God, what is all this around me? This vision of bones. This is freaky. I see dead people. (laughs) That'll mess somebody up in a heartbeat but to see bones. I guess you could probably say that it was around 597 B.C. that Jerusalem fell to the forces of Babylon, and for the most part, the conquerors left the city unharmed, and it stood for another 11 years under a king that pretty much was a puppet. He was controlled by others. The thing that Babylon did was capture about 10,000 of Jerusalem's choice citizens hear me tonight and among those that were captured was this prophet Ezekiel and so Babylon unbeknown to them they took with them a history maker and at at that moment when these men and women are being led away from Jerusalem to Babylon in all probability they passed through a wide stretch of valleys that many battles had been fought. Because the people of Israel were in a time of war. Many times when the battle was over, the armies would just leave their dead right where they perished. Unburied in the places that they fought. It was the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the forces of nature, the hyenas, the lions and tigers and bears. Oh my everywhere would wreak havoc on those corpse. They had their way with these dead bodies. In these valleys, there was not even one skeletal remain together and whole, ripped apart, torn apart, flesh devoured, organs eaten. Only thing that's left is scattered Bones, decay all around. Is this painting a picture in your mind tonight? Imagine how Ezekiel felt walking around that or seeing that as a reality. It wasn't very long afterwards that Ezekiel was called to prophesy to the people who were in exile. And when he started prophesying to these people, they reminded him of the bones they had passed in those valleys. Those people, were living in what amounted to be a concentration camp on the banks of the river Shabar, not far from Babylon. Hear me, they suffered greatly in that day. They lost their homes, they lost their land, they lost their friends, their loved ones. Many of them began to lose their faith in God. They're telling themselves, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We are cut off. This was their attitude, and little did they know that the Lord was getting ready to show himself strong on their behalf. And so the question becomes pressing. Is there any hope for them? Is there any kind of revival out of the question? For Israel, for the church, for you, for me, is there a chance. When God's people find themselves in a hopeless situation, does that mean that all hope is lost? Can revival still come? I want to tell you tonight the answer is simple. It's this: no, hope is not lost. And also the flip side is this: yes, revival can still come. If I could have some more monitors, I'd appreciate it tonight. I want us to understand that Ezekiel 37 is is prompted by divine prophecy. And although everything looks hopeless for a mere human perspective, God is not finished with his people. God begins by posing a question to Ezekiel as the prophet overlooks the valley of full of dry bones. And so the question is pressing, son of man, can these bones live? What a strange question to ask. It seems that God is far from satisfied with Israel's desperate condition. God truly desires, I want you to hear me tonight, God truly desires for revival. And this desire constitutes the very heartbeat of God. And just like he does not want anybody to perish in their sinful state, like we preached about this morning, he does not want his people to continue to become a lifeless and useless collection of dead and dry bones. So Ezekiel, what do you say, young man? Can these bones live? The prophet, is very very is one full of carefulness. He doesn't convey a measure of boundless optimism by saying, of course these bones can live. Or neither does he have downright pessimism. Well, you know, God, dead is dead, Lord. It just can't be done. Another one bites the dust. No, that's, that's not his answer. That's not his answer. His response, oh, Hallelujah is, O Lord, thou sovereign God, as if he's saying almighty and all-powerful, O Lord God, thou knowest. In other words, I know that with you there are no impossibilities. I know that with you you can make the unthinkable thinkable and the impossible possible. I'm trying to build a foundation out. It's as if he's saying, Lord, you spoke the world into existence in the beginning, and you led the people of Israel through the impossible crossing of the Red Sea. In the wilderness, you provided bread from heaven and water from a hard rock. With you, anything is possible. Lord, you know. So I'm pondering this today, and I'm, I'm thinking about these, these words and The Lord knows and and God says to Ezekiel, all right, you say the word, prophesy, prophesy to these bones. And then I want you to prophesy the word and I want you to prophesy to the wind. In other words, you just repeat everything I say to you, nothing more and nothing less. And let me insert this right now. That is still the job of God's people. We have a responsibility to speak the word. Come on. Preaching is not just about telling interesting and captivating stories, although at times they have their proper place and time. It's not about lecturing on some dogmatic truth. It's about speaking the word of God and echoing what this book says. And I want to tell you right now, there is a prophetic anointing that I feel in this house right now that I believe God's about to do some things in this congregation that you've been praying for years about. I believe there's some valley of dry bones that you've encountered in your situation and I feel emphatically that God is about to show up and do a mighty work on your behalf. Preaching and prophesying is is not my words. It's his word. I'm just the vessel that he chooses to use. And that's what Ezekiel did plain and simple. In verse 7 read he says, and so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Everybody say, There was a noise. And as a result of Ezekiel's preaching, something happens. There is movement in these lifeless bones and all as a result of a faithful and simple prophecy. The revival as prophesied by Ezekiel occurs in three stages that I want to talk about tonight. And that first stage is this. It's bones to bones. When God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy, he probably felt a little silly if you can imagine. I mean, speaking of dead bones is like preaching to empty pews. Come alive, you piece of fabric! Come on, metal legs, get to walking, baby. Well, faith without works is dead. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Ezekiel, when he proclaimed dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, there was a level of faith that was involved. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There was a level of anointing that was a place on his life. And when he began to speak the word, the Bible says there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, hear it, and the bones came together, bone to his the bones came together he said I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them and so the bones that were scattered and dry came back together sinews and flesh came on them and skin covered them above but there was no breath in them they were together but they were not breathing the bible says the bones became coarse but still dead And the prophet says, what are we going to do now? And so what happens is the Lord takes him to the next level. And that's the second stage. Remember, the first stage was bone to bone. And now this transition is what I call stage two. It's bone to breath. Everybody say breath. The Lord told him, you prophesy to the breath and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds. Hear me, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that what? That they may live. Only God can breathe into dead life and make them come back again. Ah, I feel you're coming on board with me right now. Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded to prophesy. And breath came in them and they came to life, but they didn't stay there. The Bible tells us right there. And stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Oh my. I'm trying to help somebody at Apostolic Life to tell you that once mighty army which bones were scattered on a huge battlefield is once again put together and they are restored with breath in their bodies and they are standing upon their feet like an exceeding great army. But it does not stop there. Hear me today. This third stage is where I believe that God is wanting to bring us as a congregation from bone to bone, bone to breath. But more importantly, this last stage brings a mighty army. It's all overwhelming. As a result of Ezekiel's prophetic preaching, the graveyard comes to life. God has done the unhumanly impossible, the unthinkable. And here's what verse 11 says. Then he said unto me, son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel behold they say our bones are dry our hope is lost and we're cut off of our parts therefore prophesy and say unto them thus saith the Lord God behold my people I will open your graves you sing about it tonight get up get up get up get up out of your grave he said I'll cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves O oh my people and brought you up out of your graves hear this verse 14 and shall put My spirit in you, and you shall live. (laughs) You know what happens in this third stage? It's when they came from bone to bone, breath comes in them. Here's what it is they transition from breathing into battle. the impossible becomes a reality what was once described as a DOA dead upon arrival has now become alive and vibrant and I just want to tell you right now sometimes when you don't feel like it you got to prophesy sometimes when things look dead and dry and beyond hope you got to open your mouth and say come on bones it's time to come together again and you watch the noise takes place something happens in the atmosphere there's a shaking going on and I'll tell you right now, when you speak the word, God will put everything back together again. I'm telling you right now, when you preach to the wind, it's time to blow from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. There is no choice except for those lungs to start blowing, that chest to start blowing out. Why? Because every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Something happens when you speak the word. I want to recap for just a moment. Ezekiel prophesied to lifeless bodies, a pile of skeletons scattered, unmarked graves. Come from the four winds and breathe, O breath, and he's slain that they may live. And the Bible tells us that as he spoke the word and he prophesied to the wind, something happened that only the Lord could do. It's interesting to note that Ezekiel 37 starts with, Lo, they were very dry. And it ends with, they stood up as an exceeding great army. Hear me, don't miss this tonight. All the structure and all the unity put together are meaningless until the spirit of God breathes into it. Have you ever noticed there are two types of churches? There are churches that have a whole lot of word, but they have a little bit of wind. And then there's those churches that have a whole lot of wind and smoke, but very little word. You know what God really wants in this last time? He wants a people that has his word and also feels his wind. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm just trying to tell you I am sick and tired of dead church. I didn't get the Holy Ghost in a dead church. I got the Holy Ghost when the music was loud, when saints were running the aisles, when mama's hairpins were flying everywhere, baptize us with the baptism of revival let us not be ashamed let us be moved by the power of your word and the winds of your spirit come on apostolic life it's your day to make up your mind we're not going backwards we're moving forward we're gonna see god do something miraculous in our midst if you want to lift your hands right now. If you want to lift your voice right now. Come on prophesy to those tribe bones Speak to the wind and watch God move. <clears> How about The word was happening right there in front of his eyes. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. He never calls you into a situation that he does not know the outcome. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. The breath, which is the wind of his spirit, was response of the acclimating word. And it lends me to believe that we must preach and prophesy until the wind blows. I like to sleep with a box fan in my house. We actually have two of them in my bedroom. I'm one of those crazy guys that has my house set at 65 degrees. Because that's good snuggle weather with my honey, babe. <laughs> Try it. God may revive your marriage. <laughs> I'm being silly. But whenever we had our little boy Oxley, my wife was having a lot of just... Just moments where she just get really hot in the middle of the night, and, and I'm like, baby, it's freezing here, but I've got hot flashes. Okay, baby, it's all you, girl. So we put two box fans, and I was laying in the bed, and I could feel the wind from both fans blowing on me. They're both pointing right towards the middle of the bed. Could you imagine what it was like to put a fan the north, the south, the east, and west, and what would happen is that wind would blow. You couldn't deny the power of the wind. And you think about what happened that day. I know that's a silly illustration, but this is my sermon. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The wind's blowing, and things are moving, and things are rattling. But you understand. That was my bad. The wind. The wind was blowing. Only because there was submission and obedience to first prophesy the word. So remember I told you that we need churches and apostolic houses. And I believe this is one of those where you have a lot of word, but you also have the wind blowing. And you know what happens? Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's only the word and the wind that can turn skeletons into soldiers. Yeah, skeletons in the soldiers. I want to preach to somebody tonight. We must continue to speak life when it appears to be dead, dried up, and beyond hope. We have a responsibility to prophesy the word of God and prophesy to the wind of his spirit. We must continue to listen for his voice and experience the move of his spirit. So I tell this beautiful congregation tonight, it's time to speak up and be bold. It's time to preach the word, to be instant, instant. instant season and out of season, I'm reaching for somebody right now. It's your day for a miracle. It's your day for a breakthrough. It's your moment for God to change your destiny. I know it appears to be breathless in the valley. I realize things may not be as motivating as you expected them. I understand you feel like you've done all that you can do, but I want to remind you the word will never lose its power. The word always has authority. This word does not have an adulterated content, it is unadulterated. Come on, it is powerful. And I want to tell you right now the wind of the Spirit will never stop blowing as long as you position yourself for a miracle. And even more so right now, I'm telling you the next phase is up to you as well. When the word is worked in your life, when the wind is blown, you've got to get up out of your grave. I am telling you tonight in the Holy Ghost, some of you have got to make an action statement. Some of you have to say, you know what? It may look like I'm surrounded by chaos. It may look like I'm surrounded by calamities. I've got the bad news from the doctor. I've got the prodigal child. But I'm telling you right now, you're not surrounded just by problems. You are surrounded by promise. You are goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, David said, and I shall dwell. I shall dwell. Come on. Is there any dwellers in the house tonight? Is there any people that are bold? Anybody ready for God to move? Lift your hands and pray right now in the Holy Ghost. Move in this house, Jesus. I don't know what you're waiting on, but the Lord knows the outcome. I don't know what you've been expecting, but God knows the end result. He's the author and the finisher. He designed you to be the head and not the tail. He is, in fact, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last, say the Lord. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's a rose of Sharon. He's the lily valley, the bright and morning star. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's a way maker, miracle worker. He's a God that keeps his promises. He is not slack concerning his promises. He will show up. You've just got to speak the word, prophesy salvation get up out of your grave get up out of your grave in the beginning god Created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without foreign and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. It wasn't long until God created man in His image, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And guess what happens? God said, it, "Come to life," and He did. Man became a living soul. I want to tell you, it's imperative to notice that while He spoke, bone to bone and flesh to Breath, our flesh to flesh, until he breathed life. It was just an empty corpse. But the moment when God released his breath into Adam's nostril, what had been spoken became alive. Is all right tonight? We know the story. Adam and Eve sinned. Things were bad, so bad, that there came a time when God repented that he made man. That's when you know it's really bad. When God says, Oh, what have I done? In so much that he instructed Noah to build an ark because God wanted to clean the sin from the earth. And you move past the destruction of sin. I am in the Holy Ghost right now. You'll find this book is full of prophets. Isaiah prophesied that a child will be born a son is given his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father the prince of peace the prophecy the word came to pass when we read that jesus was born in a lonely manger royalty born in poverty and then john's revelation says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life And the life was a lot of men. Oh, and my favorite verse. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among you. That word was Jesus' coming, a savior to be born. And the wind was the moment that Mary gave birth to that son of God and son of man. And like a lamb led to the slaughter, they mocked him, they beat him, they embarrassed him, they ridiculed, they laughed at him. Nails that were driven through his hands and through his feet, a crown of thorns that dug deep into his prow, whips that ripped the, through the flesh on his body, a spear stabbed into his side. And yet we read about a man who was sent to this earth to save us from sin. And when it was all said and done, they hung him on a cross and they left him there to die. And he said those words, it is finished. The Lord knows. Uh The Lord knows. He knew that if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. That's so why everybody else is wondering what's going to happen. He's dead. They were mocking him while he's in the grave. But it wasn't long before Mary and the rest of those who were gathered alongside Jesus, they lowered his body down, wrapped him in a borrowed grave. And upon, after completing the burial process, you know they walked away with pain. You know they had hurt. You know they had some confusion because they're stunned by the events that just took place. Thomas is doubting. Peter's regretting. Judas is dead. And they laid him to rest. No one could possibly begin to imagine what would transpire next in the life of Jesus except all they had was a word, I'll get up again. But for those who believed it, that's all they needed was a word. (laughs) Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Anybody a witness in the house? The word was, you can't keep a good man down. I hope I can come back. I'll preach better. I'm sorry if I'm just not doing a good job tonight. But I really feel the Holy Ghost to tell somebody tonight that little did hell and all of its minions realize that what Jesus spoke prior to Calvary was not just another set of words, Pastor. It was not a typical speech of encouragement to the body because when he said, if you destroy it, I'll raise it up again, that was a prophetic word when Jesus said it it was a word for eternity and just as he said there was a noise that took place there was a shaking that happened when that stone i bet i can guarantee it wasn't quiet that stone rolled away somebody heard the shake right on rolling going on and he steps out of that tomb and when Mary goes the next day she is shocked to find that Jesus is not there you mean it actually happened he he did what he said he would absolutely because the lord knows And the Bible tells us that Peter and John went running to the tomb, and they went and found nothing but grave clothes. This confirmed what Jesus spoke, the word. And they can kill me if they want to, but I'm not staying here. I'm getting out of this grave. Here's where we come right now. and This is for somebody right now that needs the Holy Ghost. Before his ascension to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, you wait for the gift my Father promised which you heard me talk about. That is an extremely tall order for all prayer is difficult. Waiting for an answer is even more challenging. To pray for it and have to wait for it. You've got to be kidding me. Can I tell somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost, while you're waiting, Jesus is working. I feel that word for someone tonight. While you're waiting for the answer, Jesus is working it out on your behalf. You just have a responsibility to speak through the words that he told you to speak and prophesy out of the wind. Because when they're waiting for him to be endued with power from on high, guess what happens? The least likely of all of them, the one that denied Jesus not once but three times. In the day the Pentecost was fully come they in one accord in one place the word was you tarry until you're due with power from on high and guess what the Bible says suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty what wind the wind was blowing and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them in cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and some of them were filled every other person was filled Two thirds were filled. No, 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 no. Everybody was filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak other the tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this is where those who were gathered around said, they're all amazed and doubt saying, what meaneth this? Mockers are saying they're full of new wine, but Peter standing up the eleven lifts his voice and says, ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, hear me, be this known unto you, hearken to my words. These are not drunken as he supposed. Sing is but the third hour of the day. But this is that you know what God's about to bring to this congregation Pastor Robbins he's going to bring a this is that moment things you've been waiting for things you've been praying for things you've been fasting for things you've been petitioning God for you've been waiting a long time but I'm here to tell you help is coming it's going to happen quicker you just got to lift up your hands and say God I believe your word is true I believe I shall live and not die you got to speak way into the spirit to blow upon me have your way Lord do what you want to do and guess what you got to do you got to get up from where you are you got to stand up out of your grave you've got to make a move I'm coming out of this thing now when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts and they said what shall we do Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. By the way, that good brother you're talking about probably doesn't have any deliverance because it doesn't happen unless you say it in Jesus' name. That was for all you saved and sanctified folks that it'll come to you on Wednesday. It ain't the same without the name. (laughs) Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So how do we know that for the promises unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many, I want to help smile today. Jesus has stepped in this house to offer a plan of hope and restoration for your life. Seasons of drought, never-ending struggles, moments of intense fear, not knowing where the end of the road is going to be at, constant battles in your mind. If I could just tell you right now, I rebuke the filthy fingers of the adversary. Let's try to warp your mindset. I want to tell you, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you, can I just have, I don't want to embarrass somebody, but how many of you have had a hard time sleeping at night, you've been crying yourself to sleep at night, you're woken up with fear and anxiety attacks, and you've got situations come on, it's alright to be honest, you're not bad because you battle depression, you're, thank you for those that are honest back, I'm telling you right now there's more people in this room that want to admit it, you are under the attack of hell, and you feel like throwing the towel in, some of you right now, you've been resolutioning your mind, that I might as well just take my life, if I just die and end it all I'm telling you, I come against the spirit of suicide right now in the name of Jesus I am preaching to somebody in this house. I feel it so strong. There's a spirit of prophecy on me in this house. I'm telling you, bold in the Holy Ghost. It's not your decision. It's God's decision. Lift your hands and pray right now. Close your eyes across this house right now. Something just moved in this congregation right now. I'm prophesying to someone tonight it's better to trust in God than to put the confidence in man man will fail you but Jesus will never leave you and he'll never forsake you He is just as close as the mention of his name. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I got to tell somebody tonight, you're not a bad person if you fight depression. No, you're not a bad person if you have anxiety, if you battle fear. The Lord spoke to me in one of the darkest seasons of my life When I lost my baby girl, and I can tell the story again. I've already told it here before. This is a revelation God gave to me. In the midnight hour, I said, Lord, what is the answer? Sister Robbins, I pled to God, how do I deal with these emotions that I'm battling? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We all right? We're not in a hurry, are we? You know what the Lord began to press on my heart? And I know what depression is. It's an emotion you feel right now based on something that happened in the past. You're depressed because of that level that was lost, that job that you lost, that marriage that fell apart. Because of whatever happened yesterday, you battle that emotion today. You're not a bad person. Anxiety is that feeling that you can't control what's going on right now, and you feel disabled. You feel like you're locked up. It paralyzes you. That's an emotion you deal with right now based on current events. But this thing called fear, it's because you're worried about what tomorrow may bring and you don't have the answer, but I tell you, the Lord knows. So those that are oppressed, those that have anxiety, those that battle fear, I'm telling you right now, there's only one, one solution. And I believe the Lord wants me to tell you this tonight. It's the fact that our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, never changes, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For the scars of yesterday, he is today. For the concerns of now, he is today. And for the worries of tomorrow, he is today. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost tonight, it's your day for a miracle. It's your day to receive the Holy Ghost if you want it. It's your day to be set free if you desire it. But the question I have to ask you with this, as you stand to your feet right now, lift your hands high towards the heaven. No musicians come, but this, in this present moment, how bad do you want it?